Major League Baseball legend Tom Seaver passed away tragically this evening. We also have special guests joining the show, David Ardsma, and we also review our MLB postseason picks. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with... Mr. Brown, Canadian biggie. And we are apparently having a heavy baseball show today, which is fine because, you know, we're not quite the NFL. We're not quite the college football. That stuff's right around the corner. The NBA playoffs. No uh, one's watching it. Nobody's watching. It, it's it's sad. So we, we do have one topic we want to get to. We have a great interview with former Major League pitcher David Ardsma coming up. He is actually the director of player development for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, we had a great time talking to him. And – uh, you Get know, it again. What sorry. happened? What happened? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mr. Brown's distracted because uh, I see the chains rattling. Yeah. What just happened? Arizona with his fourth home run in two days. Uh, and he's breaking Fenway Park records, isn't he? I love it. <laughs> I guess not that many National League guys have played up there here lately, but either way, the, the Braves just took the lead. Or did they tie it? 6-5. 6-5. So for the sweep. That's all right. My Reds won tonight for once, too, so we're excited about baseball. But I'm sorry I distracted in a In a depressing tone, though, of while our teams are winning tonight, we had the tragic passing of Tom Seaver, who, who passed away due to complications of COVID-19, along with some dementia he had. And, you know, there, there, it's kind of interesting timing because just a couple of days ago, you kind of had a post about Tom Seaver, did you not, Mr. Brown? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's crazy that it happened today. We, we compared him versus Bob Gibson, basically asking who was better. I knew the majority of people would say Bob Gibson was better because they're basing off 1968 where he had the ERA of 1.12. Um, and that was a crazy year. I got it. Um, but I felt like it was Tom Seaver because you look at overall body of work. It is Tom Seaver. He had more strikeouts. He had more wins, higher winning percentage. I think the, the guy had it all. So like to me, it's Tom Seaver. You bring up the 68 season. How many other guys besides Gibson were able to dominate before they lowered the mound? There was nine guys with an ERA under two that season, but Gibson <laughs> led the way. Oh, and also, and people don't want to talk about war. I got it, but Tom Seaver's war was 109 to Gibson's 89. 109? Yes, sir. A pitcher with a war. How many pitchers have over 100 war anyway? That I can't tell you, but I can tell you that Tom Seaver is the only pitcher since 1920 to have an ERA under three and have 300 wins. So now, now as a Reds fan, I also am well aware that Tom Seaver threw a perfect game for the Reds in the 70s. But is he, he's a, he's a Met through and through. Is that is that fair? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he did his thing with the Reds, but he broke in with the Mets, and that's where he got his start. You know? it, is when it, I think of Seaver, I think of the Mets. Is he the greatest Met to ever live? Uh, I would. Yeah, you could get an argument from diehard Mets fans. For me, he is. His three ERA titles were all with the Mets, and they were all early on. I mean, I think he's – that, that's the thing. For Mets fans out there listening, like that's what sucks. And, and for people that had a chance to grow up and watch him play, he is Mr. Met to me. He is the greatest New York Met that has ever lived, and now he's no longer with us. And it's a sad day for baseball. It's tragic. It sucks. I mean, Father Tom's undefeated. I get it. But, man, that's, that's a terrible loss for the world of baseball. The only pitchers in the history of the game with a higher war than Tom Seaver are, there's only six of them, Lefty Grove, 
Peter Alexander, Kid Nichols, Roger Clemens, Walter Johnson, Cy Young. That's how well he should be revered. That's an impressive <laughs> that's company. That's insane. Like, I know, like you said, people don't always like war, but, like, that's that's elite company, man. I don't care what stat you're looking at. I'm shocked that Roger Clemens is in that group, to be honest. The other ones, when you when you told me those names, didn't surprise me a bit, but Roger did. But everyone forgets how good Roger was because of the steroids. He played for a long time. Too. Right, right, right. We had a picture of Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, and Tom Seaver all together, and I, I had a caption. It was like showing this photo has this many wins, this many strikeouts. It was about a month or two ago. I remember that. And I love me some big, big unit. I know you do too. But there is actually people in that picture because everyone loves Nolan Ryan, but he's a little over 500 winning percentage, ton of Ks, seven no hitters. Mm-hmm. But someone was like, Tom Seaver's the best of this three. There's people saying that, and you can't argue with them, really. It, you can. It's hard. It's hard to argue. Right. As a pure pitcher, you'd take Tom Seaver when you look at overall, or can he be his best on this day? You look at a guy like Nolan Ryan, but if you're going to look start in, start out, 35 starts a year, you're taking Tom Seaver. I, I think it says something that like we we didn't get a chance to watch Tom Seaver play. You know, it was before our time, and we we hold him with that regal revere that we're talking about right now. But I'm telling you, if you talk to somebody over the age of 60 right now, Tom Seaver's godlike status. Like it's, it, it's unreal how much he's revered by that generation. If you're a boomer out there listening, if you if you're a boomer that knows how podcasts work and you caught this show somehow, <laughs> you know, be glad we're talking about this legend Tom Seaver. God rest his soul. He was a freaking legend and baseball is not better off without him, but unfortunately it happens to the best of them. The original Tom terrific. <laughs> I I'm glad that you would give him that notoriety. That that means a lot coming from you. It does. I think we we could get deeper into it, but just when Brady was trying to trademark a lot of stuff, he got a ton of fly, a ton of uh, negative feedback for that, and he should have. There's one Tom terrific, and it's Tom Seaver. I wish that we would have knew this happened during our interview with um, David Artsman. Yeah, so. We don't cover that in the interview that's coming up, but we guys hope you enjoyed listening to it. He was fantastic. He cut loose, and, and it's just interesting to hear another pitcher's perspective on kind of his journey to where he's at now. Plus, he's in charge of the entire farm system for the Toronto Blue Jays, so it's it's an impressive task, and I was overwhelmed just hearing him talk about it. So we guys hope you enjoy the interview. Here is David Ardsma, Director of Player Development and former 10-year Major League Baseball pitcher. <laughs> Biggie, we love talking to big league pitchers, right? We do. It's one of our favorite things to do. And for whatever reason, we've had an unprecedented run of big leaguers here lately. And and joining us once again is a man who has over 10 years experience in the majors as a pitcher. He's He's been on more clubs than I can even count, so we're going to have to ask him about that too. But he's got a really interesting job that we're definitely going to get to later in the interview. But ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is David Ardsman. David, how are you doing, sir? Man, doing great. Thanks for having me, man. I mean... I'm excited. Man, we're excited to have you because we, we just like talking baseball, and it's so odd that we're already over the halfway point in the season, and I feel like it should be April right now. This is driving me nuts. So I, I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts on that, but just to kind of reintroduce our audience who may not know who you are, you know, tell tell everybody a little bit about your career. Just, just what all did you do? We know you came from uh, Colorado and we see the fancy high school hall of fame picture there behind you. So, so give us a quick synopsis of just who you are. Okay. So uh, obviously I grew up in Colorado, played baseball at Cherry Creek high school, went to 
Rice University won the national championship there at Rice. Nice. Um, then, yeah, man, killed it. Um, got lucky. I had a lot of good teammates. And then um, went off, uh, got drafted by the Giants. I ended up playing. Let's go for this, ready? Giants. Uh, he doesn't do even know. He can't remember it so many. <laughs> Giants, Cubs, White Sox, Red Sox, Mariners, Yankees, oh, Marlins, Mets, Cardinals, Indians, um, Dodgers, Braves. Oh, okay. and Blue Jays. And Blue Jays. Yeah, you don't want to forget the Blue Jays, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not. The, easily the most important one. Right. And you are a pitcher, and and so to, to kind of start off is the, the thing I, I noticed first when trying to just read up and do my, my due diligence here to prepare for this interview is you were a first-round draft pick in back in 2003, so, you know, baseball is a little different than some of the other sports, so what's it like being a first-round draft pick? Do you remember that process very well, like, and did you expect to go in the first round? So the, my sophomore summer, I played in the Cape Cod League, and I had a really good summer. I mean, I was killing it. And I, um, that's where you know, like, if you do really well there, scouts are all over the place. Like, you know, there, there'd be 100 scouts at a game sometimes uh, for a really big game out there. And so I had a really good idea of going high. And then, you know, teams are – they'll tell you, like, hey, like, we know you're going to go high. Like, who do you think you're going to have as an agent or an advisor and all that stuff? So I had a good idea to go high. About halfway through that college season at Rice, I started to struggle, though. I had a, I had a like, four or five-game stretch where I, I was riddle, really battling. Being a reliever, college reliever, like, it was already kind of against the, the grain to pick a reliever, especially in first round. Uh, that year, though, we ended up with uh, Chad Cordero, Ryan Wagner, and myself all be first-round closers, college closers. Wow. Um, and Wagner was at – University of Houston. So I saw him five times throughout the season that year. So it was like kind of fun. Like those games when we're playing Houston, like we're going right at it. And then um, Sullivan too. So he was a high pick. And so it was, um, it was tough, man. It was, it was a lot of fun going through that. And then uh, until you get drafted in the first round, you never know if you're actually going to. So, so for people who don't really follow, um, you know, college baseball, Rice, they're no slouch, right? Well, right now we're struggling a little bit, but back in the day, man, like we had some squads. The the thing that stood out to me also, so let, you get drafted, you you know, you get to the Giants organization, and how old were you when you got drafted? I was 21. Okay, so not a lot of 21-year-old pitchers find success in the majors right away, so they put you in single-A ball. But for some reason, that didn't last very long. You went from single-A all the way up to the main roster. You're uh... – I can fool people pretty well. I can, I can, I, I fooled them. I, and I, you know what I did? I pitched really well the games when uh, Brian Sabian was at. <laughs> <laughs> I pitched. I, I had a really good. I, I, I came into High A. The team welcomed me right in. I gave, that was actually really surprising. Even getting to go to High A right out of the draft. That's a huge deal. Now being on the other side of it, like we don't do that with our guys. So even having that was a huge deal. I had a lot of success. You could just tell, man, I was above that level. It's just the talent. And I was I, – I might not have had all the pitches to be able to throw, like, and, and like, pitch in the big leagues, but I, I – they thought I was ready. I got I got in there, man, and I was just killing it. And then I went to – with the Giants, we went to the fall – or not fall league, but, like, our, like, extended, like, fall league baseball. And I just killed it again. I, I think I gave up, like, one run and, like, ten innings. And so that's where every day the GMs there, assistant GMs, everybody's there. I'm throwing 90, 97, 98, with, you know, just killing it. 
and that gave me an opportunity to spring and killed in spring. And uh, I fooled him pretty well. I didn't have a secondary pitch. I had no slider. I had no changeup. I had no nothing. But the right times, uh, they clicked, and, uh, and I got up <laughs> the big leagues. It took me a little bit to stay in the big leagues, but I got up fast. What's your uh, memory of your big league debut? What stands out oh. to you the most? Okay, so there are a couple things. Um, I, I it was in Enron Field at the time. Now, what is it, Minime? Um, down in that bullpen, in the visitors' bullpen, you're like in this like metal concrete box, and so when you're warming up, it sounds like I was throwing a thousand. And I felt my heart's <laughs> like my heart's like this. I'm throwing and I'm throwing fuel, and the catcher's like having a hard time catching, it, and, the, and it's going bam every every <laughs> single pitch. And so I was like, dude, oh, I'm, I got this. And I walk out there, and I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm freaking out. And then I, I hear, like, now batting, you know, and I'm like, all right, I got this. Craig Biggio. <laughs> and then uh, so I remember facing – I faced Biggio, Bagwell, Berkman, um, God, Hidalgo at the time. He was a stud. Um, I mean, that's a lineup right there. Who's the, um, the second baseman who was with the Giants, Jeff Kent? I mean, it's like I almost faced like four or five – like four Hall of Famers, <laughs> almost four Hall of Famers. Uh, and then I got the win, and I didn't find out I got the win until I was talking to the media after the game. And they didn't tell me. It was a scores discretion. I wasn't even on the mound when we took the lead. And the score said that I had the most impact on the game, and they gave me the win. And I didn't deserve it by any means, but they gave it to me. Hey, you know what? They got to give some love to the young rookie out there making yeah. his debut. You know, got got to keep him engaged. Oh yeah, in I, Houston, I, like against Houston, like, and I was at Rice, and Rice is in Houston too. So it was like a, it was a huge deal that I was making my debut, like second game, almost kind of like a a homecoming of a sorts, even though it's a road game for you. It was when I got announced as on the road as like a no no name rookie. I got cheers from the crowd. Like that was actually like a big deal. So I, I mean, it was it was it was such a fun day. Even like now thinking about it, like my heart's like racing. I don't even know. I, I, no, I can see the goosebumps, man. It's all good. Don't worry about it. it it's a that that's a moment that not everybody gets because it's one thing as a pitcher, you know, you might get caught up. But like when we talked to Ray King, like he didn't even know what day he was actually going to appear, and he was all over the place. So. The fact that you were able to do it on the road in a place in a town that had some familiarity with you, and uh, you know, it boosts your ego too to make it sound like you were throwing 110 back here in the bullpen with all the concrete walls. So that's not a bad setup there. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt at all. All right. So, so you lasted a couple years with the Giants. Uh, then you got traded to to Chicago, right? The Cubbies. Yeah. Okay, so you spent some time in Chicago. So you were on the south side and, and the north side. So what was your time in Chicago for both those clubs like? Well, I, I grew up a huge Cubs fan. Grew up in Denver. We didn't have a team at that time. And so I was a, I was a, I was a Cubs fan. I, you know, you get home from school, you got two choices, right? I kind of know where you guys are going to go with this, but you had two choices. You had TBS or WGN. And, right, yep. And, and I, like, you get home and – Cubs games are on. And then I moved to California for a little bit. Cubs games are on. Like, so it was easy to become a huge Cubs fan. And so you get traded and you don't want to leave your team that you grew up, like you got drafted by and you came up with, but you're going to your, your, your dream team. And so you get there and then like first game in Wrigley, I got to win. And it was like, what is happening? And it was, um, it was such an amazing experience. And then getting traded to the White Sox actually like this, 
destroyed me at first, but we had a lot of fun. We didn't have the best of years with the Whites, but I had a great time. Actually, that's one of the teams I still remember most of the players, like a lot of the players, and I've kept close with a lot of the guys. But like, we had a horrible year, <laughs> just a not so horrible, horrible year. So we're we're all the way up to 2008 now. You're getting ready to go to the Red Sox. Hey, have you got to any postseason experience yet on any of these clubs? No, none outside of college and, and being in the College World Series. I never experienced postseason in anything. Um, the Giants, we lost the last game of the season. We could have gone to the playoffs. We needed to beat the Dodgers. We lost. And mm-hmm. no, so until then, I hadn't experienced anything. So when you go to the Red Sox in 08, they're coming off a World Series victory high expectations is there a certain level that you felt you needed to be at or any expectations you had different from where the your previous stops so so it's pretty cool so with the Giants the one thing I really noticed about the Giants there was something different about the rivalry with them and the Dodgers I've still never experienced it when they when I was in the locker room and we're about to play the Dodgers for the first time and they and we have like a little team meeting and like it does not matter what your record is it doesn't matter what time of season it is when we play the Dodgers, we beat the effing Dodgers. Right. It does not matter. <laughs> yeah. And and you felt it in the crowd. You felt it in Dodger Stadium. Like, those last couple games of the season, like, our families had to have police escorts. And you couldn't go to the bathroom without security. It was crazy. It was insane. You get to the cup, and it's like baseball, man. It's like summer, drinking guys, people in the sand, drinking beers, enjoying just life and enjoying baseball. And then you get to the Red Sox. I'll never forget this. Gary Tuck, the bullpen coach, goes, Welcome to Major League Baseball. I go, what do you, you know, I played the last couple of years, you know, come on. He's like, no, welcome to the big leagues. Because this is different. This is business. Because we win here. He goes, I don't, and you know, if you don't, you're out. He goes, this big, this big boy league. He goes, when we play the Yankees, when we, when we go, when we go, when we win, it's different. And it was, it was, it, there was an expectation in the front office. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had a lot of fun beating people's ass, but there was an expectation that we did it. And, and a lot of times I remember we wanted things in like the dugout or in the locker room or in the bullpen. Like we wanted a heater. They said, go have a good road trip. Mm. <laughs> All right. We came back. We had a heater, you know, <laughs> we wanted a sauna upstairs in the, in the locker room. They said, Hey, go, go do your job. And we went out and we kicked ass and we had a sauna and we had a great year. Um, I unfortunately got hurt about halfway through and had to try to pitch through some injuries, but so the numbers weren't great, but I, I knew what was coming up, and I knew I was just finally hitting my stride as a big leaguer, and, and that's what kind of led with the Mariners. Yeah, because that's where we're going next. When you went to Seattle, I, I guess your first year was was pretty decent, but like, let, let's get on that second year, man. Like, why didn't you make the All Star team? What happened? I don't know, man. I I thought I thought I. Was, <laughs> I never like for sure thought I was in. That's like, man, like if I'm ever going to be able to do it, this is it. Like this is coming up. But like I said, like the Red Sox, the first half of the year of the Red Sox, I killed, absolutely killed it. And then I got hurt. And so I tried to pitch her numbers look bad, but like going into it, and that was pretty cool. Was, like with the Mariners, they even said that they said, Hey, we brought you here because we knew what you were doing and we knew what happened and why it happened. They're like, just keep doing exactly what you're doing. You'll be fine. And it was just like that perfect chemistry, perfect team. Like, when you went into Seattle, you ended up closing. I'm just curious. I'm stepping out here. Huge Mariners fan. Brandon Memorial was closing games, and you stepped in and just shut it down for a season and a half. Was that anything that was mentioned when you came in as far as chemistry? When I was told, like, coming in, so Brandon Morrill before that, right, was starting. And he was stud, like, doing great. 
Oh, no, sorry. He was closing before I came in. And then in spring training, he was going to be a starter. So that was like we're they're building him up to start. And they're like, basically, dude, we got nobody. They told us that. They told me, Mark Lowe, um, you know, Sean Kelly, who was a rookie. But they told basically like a whole bunch of guys, um, we got nobody right now. So go earn it. Go earn a job. And it was well known with everybody. Go earn it. I went in, had uh, probably the best spring training of any of the relievers. And then Brandon Morrow, right at the almost the last day of spring training, they moved him back to the bullpen. So they made mm-hmm. him the starter, but he really struggled early. Uh, first couple, first week, like he kind of struggled. And I was throwing the eighth, throwing really well. Um, started the season out like super hot. And then uh, they needed him a day off, and I, I came in, got the save. And then a couple days later, he got hurt. And so they, they had to put him down, uh, which you can kind of see coming when somebody's a starter and then you just immediately make him a lever again. And so I got to take over that job, and, and I ran with it. And by the time he came back, they made him a starter again, which he should have been. He should have always been a starter. He's too good. Brandon Moreland, the stud. But um, he had injuries at the wrong time, and I was healthy at the right time. You know, and it kind of same thing happened on my third year where Brandon Lee stepped in when I was hurt and took over closer and ended up having, you know, signing you know really nice deal with the Dodgers, which I wouldn't have mind having. But, you know, that was <laughs> – I, I, was, I felt, man, that was the year I was going to make the All-Star team. I had it. Um, you know, the, the the decision I know came down to was me and um, he was the closer with the A's at the time. He ended up winning, I think, rookie of the year. But um, he ended up representing the A's. I think he's the only one representing the A's. And, and I know it was, like, between us two. But, um, man, he, uh, Andrew Bailey. But like he okay. had a great year too, but I thought I had him on pretty much all the all the numbers at the halfway mark. But I, that would have been nice. It would have been great to be awesome. I could imagine. Well, if it would have went off the whole season, you probably would have though, right? Because the second half of the season, it looked like you just went into lockdown mode. Oh man, I I I was throwing well. I was throwing well. It was exciting, man. It was it was cool because everything was coming together. All that hard work, all those times, like you know, like this is these are, those are the moments where the guys that drafted you, the scout that drafted you, the team, all the people that believed in you. The reason you got traded, like somebody believed in you. It was finally coming together, and it was neat having it happen at that time. So I remember, like what I said, like when I came to the Mariners, they said, "David, like right now, we believe in you, and this is going to hit. This is your time to shine." And having all that support, it, it means something. So I think he might be being just a slight modest because I looked it up and after the All Star break, his ERA the rest of the go was like one point eight. That that's that's a little better than playing well. I think that you that's freaking off the charts, man. Close to unhittable for three months. Yeah, man. man. You know what? You look back and you try to be modest about it because you know why? Like I was so locked in and never felt like it was that right. It was like every day I looked at it and said, man, like it's one day at a time. You know, the second half season, right, you got 81 games. So I'm, it's 81 days. Like, let's focus on today. And then maybe at the end I get to enjoy, but I didn't want to enjoy it too much because I'm like, man, like, I still got years to go. If I sit back and just, like, enjoy this right now, I might not be focused for next year. And I am i don't know if that's the right mindset, but it was definitely like my mindset at the time. Now I'm trying to sit back and enjoy it a little bit. But well, now, I think it worked out for you because you kept playing well, so clearly you were doing something right. Uh, now, now going forward just a little bit more in time, you know, 2011, you, you get the, the dreaded injury that so many pitchers have, right? You end up going through Tommy John surgery. So what was that like for you? 
It was tough. Um, it was actually happened at the very end of 2010, at the very end. I never went on the DL, but uh, I actually hurt my hip. And so I hurt my left hip really bad. I ended up having a, like a major surgery in January on my hip. I had eight weeks where I was in, I couldn't even put weight on my leg for eight weeks. Um, and so that went right into spring training where I came and walked. I couldn't throw a baseball, nothing. And so when I finally could walk, the day they allowed me to walk, I was playing catch, which is stupid. Right. Um, on my part, I was I was pushing it. I signed a nice little deal with that with the Mariners, and I was like wanting to prove myself and want to prove, man, I'm healthy. I'm back. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to be the fastest guy to ever come back from this hip surgery, right? So my first game on my rehab assignment, coming back from this major hip surgery, I blew my elbow out. And there's no doubt, like, it wasn't just the random Tommy John that a lot of guys happened. It was because of the hip, and I wasn't being smart, and I didn't build up that leg strength like I had before. Right. I never had some injuries, man. I, my arm was always healthy. The only thing that I ever hurt were my leg, were really my legs. And so, um, yeah, like in 08 with the, Mar- with the Red Sox, I had a hip groin problem, and then – the Mariners, I had the hip. And so I was like, man, my arm has always been healthy. Put up a lot of games every year. And so coming back from two injuries was what was tough. And so it was never quite the same after that. I got back too close to my velocity and stuff, but I was never quite the same, no matter how hard I worked. I got back up to like 95, but I was, you know, before I was touching hundreds, 102, I was never quite the same. Mm. And unfortunately, you ended up kind of bouncing around a little bit toward the end of the career and, and in and out of Tripway, it looked like a couple times. So, you know, we, we see so many stories where people get the Tommy John and, you know, it's almost like get it done early because, you know, you're going to be a better pitcher afterwards. But, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, not a not 100% rule. You know, it can go either way. And, you know, we see from your situation, you know, it, it happened and, and you struggled afterwards. That's a bummer, man. So we're, we're definitely sorry to hear that. But, you know, you, you had an awesome run. You ended up, uh, you know, kind of winding down your career with the Blue Jays and you ended up with uh, a job that you have now that we definitely want to talk about. But before we do that, looking back over your big league career, I have two really important – well, I got three three questions because this is what we like to ask pitchers. All right. So, so who did you own? Who owned you? And then I'll save my third question for last. All right, who I owned? Um, Carlos Gomez. Carlos Gomez, okay. I, I think I faced him five times, five punch outs, and I loved it. Loved every single <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I learned to respect Carlos at the end of his career. I, I really respected him at the end. I always loved his passion, but it was misguided for a while. And gotcha. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was with the White Sox. We're in Minnesota. Rookie year, he's up, he's up here. Three zero count, take ball four, and he goes and like puts his hat down and like moon walks to the side, and then like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, <laughs> like I'm about to throw as hard as I can by your every single time. And it came, there was in the bat. I'll never forget this. It was O two, and I go fastball. And I just threw it right by him. And I was like, just stare at him. And you could tell he just made it. <laughs> and I know it just is like one of those guys that you just, man, you hate. But like, I learned to really respect him later on. Um, guy that owned me was pretty much, okay, stereotypical. Any power hitting, um, right hand, power hitting hitter, but that was a gap guy. So like Torrey Hunter, uh, Howie Kendrick, um, 
basically any angel. Um, so, <laughs> Story Hunter, Howie Kendrick owned me. Um, oh, my God, Mark Teixeira, like Hideki Matsui, like those guys that were – they had the power, but they didn't always swing for power. And so they were always dangerous because they controlled the bat all the time. And I wasn't like a great strike thrower. It wasn't bad, but I wasn't a great strike thrower. I needed swings. And like the second I got you to swing, you're over. And that's why Carlos always worked well for me. But those guys that could wait and be patient and work in the bat, oh, God. Like, Just drove you nuts. Drove me nuts. And then like you make a 2-0 mistake and it's a double in the gap or a home run, you know, like they'll take a – They'll take a pitch and just they'll take a single and that God I hate those guys I want guy I want someone swinging for the fence if you're swinging for the fence I got you. All right, so what town had the best food? And if you had to give me one restaurant of all these places you've eaten at, all these games you've played and whatnot, like what's the one place that you're just like, man, that that was the spot. Chicago's best food. I mean, you just can't beat it. You got anything you want uh, in New York, though. Um, God, what's steakhouse? There's a steakhouse in New York in Brooklyn. Um, right on the was a Williamsburg Bridge, um, and it is the best steakhouse in the world. But Gibson's in Chicago is really good. Uh, I'm a big steak. I, I, I love my steak, and I got I got my list of steakhouses. That's my spot. <laughs> I, I can respect that. All right. So now you're in a role where, where if I if I got this correct, you're the coordinator of player development for the Blue Jays. So you you started that a, a couple years ago, I believe. Yeah, so two years ago, uh, 2018 was first year as a coordinator of player development. I have since, though, transitioned. I am currently the rehab pitching coordinator, um, but I still served a lot this spring training as actually like the pitching coordinator um, without the actual title. I did a lot of that job. But, yeah, so we've, we essentially got rid of the role of the rehab or the um, coordinator of player development and just transitioned to a different role but still have a lot of the same responsibilities. So what exactly does that role usually entail? Now, I know it's kind of divided up amongst some different jobs now, but what was the primary focus there? Um, one, I got to wear uh, the, the khakis and the glasses. Every day. <laughs> um, that, was, that was a big deal. Um, I didn't have to go straight uni. But, uh, you know, well, a lot of it had to do with roster management, um, really planning for the future of the pitching department. What? was the Toronto Blue Jays pitching department going to look like in two years at the same time, handling the problem. now. Um, so it could be anything from releasing a player uh, being the very first player we, that we saw right after we drafted, even going out and scouting a player um, to dealing with rehab injuries. How do we set up a throwing program for them? How do we, how do we look at throwing programs throughout our organization? How do we make them better? How do we create goals for every single player in the organization along with, holding the player and the coach responsible for those goals. What technology did we need within the organization? What technology is out there? We were currently also building a facility. So a lot of that had to do with designing a, a pitching lab in, in that facility, um, planning out for all of our coaches, um, you know, coach uh, education, continuing coach education. Um, it was almost anything and everything could possibly come apart, come, come about within a pitching the pitching side. We had another. So, person. is this for the entire organization too? Like all levels, <laughs> minor league, all the way up. All the way up. Um, it wasn't necessarily big league side because they had. That's obviously a big league manager and all them to handle that. That's. But like, think about the big leagues as a team, and versus like that's separate. So I was using all of the minor leagues, but then every team was like only a part of what we did. So while there might be a team, there's also coaches, and I would be in charge of making sure the coaches were doing their job as, long, as well as the players. 
um, doing their job and developing and make sure everybody's being held accountable to that. So I had less to do with the big leagues, but I definitely still had a lot to do with the big leagues. So two things kind of stood out to us when we were looking at this is for, for the first thing, we were a little surprised that someone who only played single A ball in their rookie year who ended up going straight to the majors was going to be responsible for such a thing. But I understand over your career you kind of dipped in and out of AAA a little bit. So I'm sure your AA program doesn't know anything because you never spent any time in AA, right? Said a little bit. Said a okay, time. okay. So that helps. I'm just giving you a hard time there. But the uh, the other thing, uh, probably on a more serious note, uh, apparently the the Blue Jays only like to sign former major league players' sons. So right? is that how did you guys come up with that strategy? I thought it was a pretty good strategy. I'm like. I mean, it, it was actually and so it was actually really crazy. I actually, at one time, I remember we had uh, Bruzel Onyx, uh, like nephew, Clemens. We had obviously Guerrero, Biggio. Graybeck. We had, it's, it's the amount of guys. Like, it, it's nuts. It was absolutely, it's actually crazy. Like, and a lot of those guys are obviously doing really well. Um, no kidding. Right? And, like, obviously Bichette and, uh, God, how many other guys? <sighs> I, mean, I was just wondering if you guys are going to try to go after like Tatis and uh, and Yaz and like just go ahead and go for a oh. clean get the whole roster. Right? I mean, just make it happen. We had time. What, what was it? One point this year, we had our entire infield was all was yeah, tons yep. of big leaguers. Yep, dude, that's not that's just, just it's not fair to everybody else. <laughs> so good things are happening with the Blue Jays, but what, what about this year as far as the, the way COVID has impacted everything, especially in the job that you have now because minor league's non-existent. So like, how has that changed for you last year compared to this year? Well, right now I'm, I'm still in Arizona. I've been here for, for almost the entire season since COVID happened. Um, right. You know, we really tried to limit the amount of people that are at our facility in Florida and obviously in Toronto. I'm sorry. Buffalo and Rochester, we have like <laughs> set up going on in, in Rochester. So like all those guys that get sent down, they go to Rochester. So right down the road. So it's really weird. We're at our, we're at our triple facility and we're using the twins triple facility as our minor league facility. Um, so what's really, what's really difficult is when you have a hundred and what was 142 pitchers, right. In our, in our minor league system about that. When they go home, we send them to the DR, Venezuela. If we can, we have, you know, Dutch players. We got players in Asia. What do we do now? How do we train these guys? How do we keep these guys ready? We didn't know if there was going to be a season in the middle of it. We didn't know if the minor leagues were going to be okay or not. We also didn't know if something, if we could do something internally. Plus, we might be able to actually call some of these guys up to the, the big league team. How do we keep them ready? How do we keep their workload high while knowing, like, they might not have baseballs? Like, let alone a throwing partner or a field or a mound or all the other equipment. Like, they don't even have, like, radar guns. So how do you keep a, a workload high for all these players in all these different situations? Some of them, like, we can't even send them home. So they're at our hotel down in Florida. And so, man, like, dealing with that has been really hard. It was really hard with us. But I'll say this. We took our – what we did was every single player, we connected with them, found out their own personal situation and man tried to build a program for them as much as we could. So next year we're ready or hopefully maybe October or November where we can do something at our facility. We're ready and they're ready for next year. So we don't miss as you know much time. We kept them all. We didn't fire any employees. Sorry. We didn't like release anybody as far as from a contract as far as like outside of our normal like releases. We kept them all paid. 
We kept all of our employees paid, which is amazing. Not, not everybody can say that. And so we've dedicated, we showed dedication to them. Now it's like, we have to, we have to keep showing it by keeping them ready and, and even maybe even getting them better. Man, I, I can't even imagine how difficult that has been. Even just hearing you talk about it, I'm just like, I don't even know what's happening here. This is just too much. So, you know, props to you for, for being involved with all that. And that's kind of cool to hear you guys come up with those individual plans because everybody's got different situations. So, you know, some, some people say big league teams don't care about their players, but clearly David Ardsma cares. So, I mean, you know, let's, let's give him some credit. Um, I do have a, a, a minor league player I specifically wanted to ask you about just because we're big time West Virginia fans and Alec Manoa is in y'all system. So I just need to know, is he doing all right? Is he staying in line? I'm looking forward to seeing him in the big league soon, but I know without minor league ball this year, it was kind of tough. Yeah. The second you said West Virginia, I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> big boy. Yep. Big boy, man. Big boy. He's thick. Oh. He's a big boy, and I, and I love him. When, when I remember being in the draft room up in Toronto last year when we drafted him, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's that's like that's my kind of pitcher, man. Give me that big boy." And um, he came in. He's a stud, man. He, he works hard. He knows exactly what he wants and who he wants to be, and I love it. He he doesn't he he wants to be a good teammate to everybody. Working working hard to be that guy and a leader, and you just know he's the type of guy you want to build a pitching staff around. I know he's not quite ready yet, and he wants to be ready. He'll tell you he's ready, and he's got the pitches to be ready. But, man, like, there's a, there's still some stuff he needs to work on and stuff. But I'll say this, like, he's done a great job of, of being prepared, living up to who he wants to be, and when he's ready, he's going to explode. He is, and it's going to awesome. be soon. It's, it's going to be – and I'm, I'm excited for the development of our what our starting rotation is going to look like, what our pitches have to look like, because it's going to be some studs. Yeah, you you guys uh you guys are a little scary here. Not not so much this year, but I'm just looking down the road and yeah. Toronto is not not to be trifled with here in a couple of years. I maybe this year. I don't know. They're they're still playing. I mean, given the fact that they haven't even had a, a home stadium for most of the season, that, that says something. Um yeah. so in in closing, before we kind of wrap up, just because our buddy, Mr. Brown, uh, who you've been talking to is not here, and he's a diehard Braves fan. So just looking back on your time with Atlanta, do you got any fun stories you can share that I can just say he missed out on talking to you about? Fun stories to share. Now, that's the tricky question, the share. <laughs> uh, whatever you are comfortable off. with. Whatever you're comfortable with, but preferably, if, if you want to share one off the mic, we can do that later. No, you know what? You know what I loved about it. I I, I loved how how fans, the fans were like crazy about the Braves. Like it, it meant something to them, and like the history of the organization. I've been with a lot of organizations, but they did a great job of bringing that history around and making sure you knew who they were. Like you saw these great players around. You saw Hank Aaron every now and then. Like, and I loved that. I loved seeing like what that meant. Like the Braves were a team that had won a lot and won a lot right before I got. And they were a tough team when I when I was coming up with minors, coming up the big leagues. You didn't want to face them. They were going to give you a hard time all the time. And to be a part of that, like, there was a, a level of respect. And, like, I loved being a part of that. Um, and it was, it was exciting. And, and one of the things I remember, like, when I left, one thing that I said to um, the assistant GM at the time, I said, man, like, in a couple of years, you guys are going to be really good. You're going to be really good. And, I, and I'm, it's going to be exciting to see – all of your work, all of your hard work in the minor leagues come to fruition. And if you look at what they've done, they're there. And, it, and, it's, and it's not like going out and just buying all this, buying all that, buying all this. 
they developed it and they made Lana. some good trades and brought in some good players and, and, and you could see it coming. And, and that's exciting yeah. to see. And I, and that's why I love what we get to do. It's like, I try to, I'm trying to do what they did, you know, with the, with the blues. I'm trying to be yeah, build it organically. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's easier said than done, man. We wish you luck on that. Cause that's, whew, that, that's something special they got right now. It's hard, especially with arms, man. Cause you got to flip a coin sometimes and like, Oh, healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and that's and that's tough. You can have you can have the best set of arms and 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 the history of major league baseball doesn't matter if they don't stay healthy. I got three things I want to ask you about, and then then we'll let you go enjoy the wonderful sunshine down there in uh, Arizona. So, number one, how do you feel about the rule change with the three batter minimum now? As a pitcher, especially somebody that came out of the pen. Are you all about that? Do you hate it? What are your thoughts? I understand what they're trying to do with it. I don't like change. I don't like change with my, my game, man. It's my baseball game. Like, take my little teddy away when I'm a kid. But I get it. And I, what I do like about it is that they've been smart about it, thoughtful about it. If somebody's hurt, if somebody's just like, it's, it's different. Like, yeah, you got to take them out. Um, but I like, too, like having to develop a left-handed pitcher that has more than just one pitch. They have sure. to get righties out. They have to get lefties out. It's really difficult now because, like, a lot of guys have just made their whole entire career. Like, cool, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna throw three sliders to the lefty. And thanks for the <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. Like, but now it's like, hey, no, man. Now you have to be a pitcher. Now you have to earn. You have to earn it and, and get a different type of batter out. And so I do think it creates more of a strategy. I think it's tougher. I think it makes it harder on managers. And that's the thing is, I think a lot of managers got by by not having to really make tough decisions. And now. That's a tough decision, and you got to create a roster, and you're, you're kind of starting to see roster creation is is a lot different than it used to be. You had to have two lefties. No, you don't. And so now it might be like the minor leagues, the best player gets up, and not just because he's a lefty or just because he's a righty. Like the best players who do the best get an opportunity, but they have to get both sides out. Mm, player development has to take another step forward because you can't just be a specialist anymore coming out of the bullpen. When we heard that news, like when they were actually going to do it, I was like, ooh, that was the first question. I was like, whoa, we got to rethink everything. <laughs> right. So that puts a little bit more stress on your job, I guess, because that, now that's just even more you got to spend with those guys. There's no, no specialty anymore. Uh, the, the other question I had for you is I know some of these other rules are uh, temporary, so to speak. Like we have the National League DH, we have the seventh inning doubleheaders, and we have the ghost runner on second, all this stuff. Like I get that it's it's the COVID season. How do you feel about that stuff, and do you feel like any of that should stay long term? Let's start with the beginning. Um, the stuff, let's, let's go to seven, the double, seventh inning doubleheader. I don't like it. Um, it's not baseball. It's not the same. And, and honestly, it's going to actually affect stats. Um, when you yeah. guys, it just, you're going to get less of bachelor a year or less innings. It just, it's kind of adds some weird looks and major league baseball is pretty like stat driven historically. Like, you know, the bet who, who hits the most home runs just because everybody's essentially done the same thing. So now you, you, it's not really the same in, in the other sports. Um, I don't like it cause it's like, Hey man, you're playing half a game. Like, Oh, you know, I always liked in the minors. Trust me. If I was pitching, I'd be like, cool. I'm totally up for it, but I also don't like it. The no DH, screw that, man. Get it? No, like I want, I want a, I want a DH in American League. My own, uh, I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that because you're a National League pitcher. Give me oh. a damn pitcher up there. Like yeah. that's your job, man. Like that, I don't know. Like, hey, Babe Ruth did it. 
Am I, am I too good? I can't hit. Like, no, trust me, I can't hit. But give me a pitcher up there because that's the game. That is Major League Baseball. Now, what's your career batting average? Zero. All right. A see, that's that's coming from a guy that can't hit, and he's telling you he wants to get out there. Absolutely, man. I want to compete. Trust me. I found some balls off. That's what I'm But, um, like, it's my job to be able to hit. Like, as reliever, totally good. I totally understand. Like, we suck. Oh, whatever. But Major League Baseball made that rule a long time ago that pitchers should hit, and they should still hit. I like having an American League nationally. I love the difference. I love that contrast. And like, Man, I, I wish like we'd get rid of interleague play, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, it's it's oversaturated now. You start the season with interleague play, or you're into it at the end of May. Like, no way, man! When you get those All Star games back in the day, and these guys never faced each yeah. other, or the World Series, when you had no idea what to expect because they never line up against each other. Oh, that was beautiful. That was the cool thing about that back in the day. I never saw each other. Nothing. The last question was the most important one. The 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 ghost runner. The ghost runner. I don't like it in the 10. I want it in the 11. I'm okay. fine. Give me an inning. Give me an inning to earn it legit. Because, like, a lot of times the closer can go back out, you know, maybe for two innings if they're, you know, at home and, and you know, whatever. Let them pitch their second inning. Let the, let the you know what, normal baseball. Then give me the 11th. Give me that ghost runner. I don't mind it. I love it that it's not an earned run. Totally fine with that. <laughs> but, but, like, I, I don't – it does take strategy, and it's interesting, and it's not – I've been part of those 18, 19 in the games. Oh, God, that is just – that is miserable. It's great when we got, like, the uh, utility infielder out there pitching in the uh, 16th inning. Right, and it's like – and what you do is – I remember this, like, I one of my first games as a Met, my very first day as a Met, I, I, got, I got called up. I mean, like – they're like, all right, David, you're not pitching today. Enjoy it. Just watch the game. Tomorrow I'll be ready to go. Oh, it's about the 17th inning. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Let's, and I ended up uh, pitching. I think I I might have gotten the loss or something, but I pitched really well. But it was actually I came in. I didn't get the loss. That's right. I came in and punched the ticket, but on catcher's interference, the run scored. Nah. I was like, Oh, like so I got I didn't get the loss, but I think I gave up the winning run. I'm like, dude, I got this. I could do this all day long. Well, David, as a middle reliever and a closer and a bullpen guy in general, you know, you finished your career sixteen and eighteen. You had a four point two seven ERA. That's not terrible, man. You should be proud of that. Three hundred and forty strikeouts, sixty nine saves, and I feel like half those saves came in one year, maybe. So I mean, you know, you 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 had magic in a bottle when you had to. Man, we're just sad it didn't last longer than it did for you, but we're happy that you're still contributing to baseball and doing some great things up there with the Toronto Blue Jays. So, David, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes just here tonight with the We Don't Know Sports Nation. We look forward to seeing the continued growth of the Toronto Blue Jays, and we'll know the man that's behind the scenes making it happen. So, sir, you've been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, and would you be interested in coming back sometime and talking baseball again? This is great. Love it. Absolutely. All right, man. You're our kind of guy. Dave, we appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. Well, thank you. So I feel like here lately, more often than not, it's definitely a, a heavy baseball show. But now that we're over halfway through the baseball season, it's only right for us to go back and revisit where our preseason picks were. Now, this is a different season. We have an expanded playoff field. And back, I think, in, in – Late June, early July, we had Mike Suarez on the show. He did picks with us. 
Either way, we want to take a second and see how we're doing as far as our prognostications went. So let's just start off with the AL East. Biggie, who's who's in charge? Give me the first two teams in the AL East right now. Uh, the Devil Rays. I still call them the Devil Rays. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, they're 25 and 12. And second place are the Yankees at 20 and 14. The Blue Jays are third, 19, 16. So we picked the Yankees across the board, which yeah. which seems like the, the consensus for most people out there. Now, I will say, if you go down and look at our the AL East, we all picked the Rays to finish second. So we had the, the right Swap. two. Yeah, we're just opposite. You can't anticipate the Yankees to have the same amount of injuries they had last year, this year. It's happened two years in a row. probably should, though. <laughs> it's that bad where, like, the Yankees, it's two years in a row. They have this kind of depth where they're hanging around, but. They're hiring a new head trainer soon, right? They have to. <laughs> Something needs to change. All right, moving on. AL Central. We, You and I were both pretty high on the Twins, and I think we felt like the AL Central wasn't even going to be that competitive. But the Indians have been a freaking thorn in the side. They keep trading away all their pitchers, but yet they still have pitching well, somehow. What's the standings here? AL Central is one of the most competitive divisions. you got the White Sox and Indians tied for first at 22 and 14. Twins at 21 and 16 right behind. The Tigers, who are dog crap, are 17 and 16. Where's the Twins? Second. 21 and 16. They are a game and a half back of first, and White Sox That's and Indians right. are tied for first. So, 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 who did I pick for second? So, we, we both had the Twins for first, and for second, we both had the White Sox. Same thing, right? We just swap in the positions. Right. I'm shocked you picked the White Sox. Hey, man, they made a lot of moves. I thought they were going to be somewhat competitive, and I, right. th- I thought the rest of the Eloy division was going to be dog crap. Yeah. Hey, man, he's, he's tearing it up for me. All right. AO West. What you got? The aforementioned, oh, always in first place, Oakland Athletics <laughs> have a three-game lead. The uh, cheating Houston Astros are in second. Same thing again. And beyond that, for me anyway. if the Mariners are in third in the division, it's a crappy division. So A's are in first, 22-12, and 12, <laughs> and then Gastros, 19-15. Uh, so Mr. Brown can confirms the sweep of having it vice versa, the number one and number two. Uh, I'd pick the Astros. Now, you know, didn't know Verlander was getting hurt, obviously, but I, I, for some unexplicable reason, picked the Angels to finish second, and that's uh, that's not getting the swap for me. I'm the only one to pick the A's, right? You are the only one to pick the A's. Right. Me and Suarez both fair picked enough. the Angels. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Chad, the mark, your Angels pick. They have the worst record in the American League. That is fantastic. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not going to get any better from here, I promise you. <laughs> All right, let's go to the National League where I feel like I got – well, before we do that, the uh, wild cards. So we had – do you have overall records there? Can you kind of see what the best wild card teams would be? So if we were looking overall records in the American League, what are we doing, eight teams this year, correct? Yeah, we so got you, you get two, the first place and second place out of each division of the next Rays, best two. A's, White Sox, Indians, Yankees, Twins, Astros, Blue Jays. The nine seed would be the – Detroit Tigers. So I, I at least got the athletics right with the wild card, but I, I for some reason thought the Red Sox would be there. And then wow, the Red Sox. And then Mr. Brown, you picked the Indians. So Indians are there. So so far, every team you picked yeah. is in postseason play right now. Well, there you go. So you you are Mr. Baseball. Bring uh, Jennifer on the show. She'll see what I do for <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> All right, let's go to the National League. So let's go to the NL East. Who are we looking at? Mr. Brown's Atlanta Braves leading the division, 22-14, three-game lead over the Phillies. Marlins, 
Mets national. So Braves, it's uh, Braves Phillies, basically. I know. I picked the Nats high here. Yeah, I did too. So we both picked the Braves to win the division. Then we had the Nationals at second. And I think Suarez went. Um, the Nationals had. He, he went Nationals Braves. We'll see. Kind of a similar situation as the Astros. They had uh, Strasburg go down for the year, and then uh, Soto was out with COVID at the very beginning for probably about a week, week and a half, so that they just never recovered. Yeah, that's like a quarter of the season. So, I mean, you can't, you can't anticipate that. Well, that's shortened season. Not sure what to expect. The Nationals have the second worst record in the league. The defending World Series champs. Now, right? where were they at this point in the season last year, and they were World yeah. Series champs? Yeah, well, that's not, that was last season. This is COVID. So, how about the NL Central? The NL Central, fairly competitive. Everybody's favorite, the Chicago Cubs in first. Cardinals, who I don't know how they're in second at three and a half games back at 14 and 14 when they barely played. And then uh, Brewers, Reds, Pirates. So Mr. Round picked the Cardinals. I picked the Reds. And Suarez got it right by picking the Cubs so far. Now, for the second place, Mr. Brown went Reds. I went Cardinals. And then Suarez went Reds. So this is, this is just a crappy division to it's pick. It's the Reds, man. I bought into the hype even though I knew they were the Browns. <laughs> it's, the hype machine is bigger than the actual play on the field, that's for sure. All right, the, the NL West, I, I can let you guess. We all picked the Dodgers, right? Yep. So who, who's in the uh, NL West picture? Dodgers in the driver's seat, as expected, 27-10. and 10. The Padres sitting at 2, 22-15. And Rockies 18-19 and 19 and third. And then you got the Giants, who are actually in contention, 18-20. and 20. They're nine games so, out of first. Diamondbacks are the only team that isn't. We're not getting there yet. Mr. Brown, who'd you pick? The second? Yeah. The Padres. The Padres. So you have that one exact. So all the other ones you flip-flopped on pretty much, except for this one. You but have I picked correct. the playoff contenders. You, you got them all. And then for the wild card, we kind of followed up. He had uh, the Brewers. I had the Diamondbacks. What a mistake that was. And then uh, Suarez had the Mets. Doesn't look like that's happening yeah, either. Yeah. And then the Cubs, Phillies, and Cardinals, we, hey, we all picked. Zach Ford's Giants are a half game out of the eight spot. Now, I picked the Giants on a wing and a prayer just because I thought there would be one like kind of anomaly this year. And I'm still hoping it can happen, but I don't think it will. So, who was our second wild card in order here? Tell me who was who. All right, so you had the Brewers and Cubs. So, the Cubs are right. I had the Diamondbacks and Phillies. I might get the Phillies. Yeah. The Diamondbacks ain't happening. All right. And then Suarez had the Mets and Cardinals, so he'll probably yeah. get the Cardinals. All right. Gotcha. All right. Okay. So, so, overall, I feel like we did decent. Mr. Brown, I think you get the tip of the cap. You, you were definitely better at the prognostication as far as that goes. But, you know, it was so hard to predict a, a shortened game season. And I know there there's still, you know, 20, 25 games left in the season for most teams. I I hope we get to a point to where at least these COVID games will come back into play where we have to play them and see who's actually in the playoffs. But either way, um, I'm just emotionally distraught over the Reds' failure to even appear in the top two. Question for you two great baseball minds. In the National League right now, we got Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, Padres. This is the top four teams. In the American League, we got Rays, A's, White Sox, Indians. If you had to pick two teams – from each league to represent them, who would you go with? Uh, so I'm still behind the Dodgers just because of the, I think they still have decent pitching for the American League. Like man, I I don't I don't know. I can't even. Rays got the best record in the league. Short in season. They they do, but like I don't know. It's because there's so many unknowns there. It's hard for me to trust them, and and the fact that they're doing as well as they are. I don't know if they'll do that well in a series. 
I, I still stick by Dodgers Yankees. Right now, the Yankees are the sixth seed. I I know, but and they gotta get healthy quick. Fifth seed. But now they moved it to fifth in the last few days. <laughs> uh, Dodgers are the best team in baseball, and it's it's not close. It's a distant second behind the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are going for the National League for sure, even though the Braves are the two seed. The Dodgers are clear cut. And the AL, Oakland Athletics. I can't say I'm surprised by that. Like I, I, I can buy that. Now, I would give I like you the race too. I would give your Braves a lot more love, but the Soroka injury that that just killed and them. the lack of involvement at the trade deadline. Well, I know that that really hurt you. That yeah. cuts deep, damn it. it <laughs> Rays, A's, White Sox have the same winning percentage in the American League. So, of those three teams, uh, this could be year that the A's actually get out and do something past. The regular season. I would I would love to see an A's World Series, even if it was in the uh, COVID season. The A's, A's Dodgers. Dodgers? Why, why not? That'd be great. Maybe we'll get another earthquake. Question for you guys. Oh, it was the Giants. My bad. Bay so, Area. Dodgers been knocking on the door for how many years now? Back to back World Series. Ten they plus. win the World Series in a shortened season. Does it get an asterisk or it gets is an it asterisk anyway? Because couldn't they have? They've been there. It's not like they came out of nowhere and it's the. Tigers or Blue Jays in a miracle season. It's going to be the same thing as the Spurs, man. They're going, if they win it this year, great. But guess what? They're going to win others in the next several years because if Mookie Betts does anything like he's doing this year for a full season, this is going to be the first of many for the Dodgers as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, I mean, they, they've done a good job putting their money where their mouth is. They, they've picked the right pieces. And the minor league system's outstanding. Right. So, I mean, they, they've got all the pieces in play to make this last a long time. And I know, look, it doesn't matter if this is Dodgers, if it's the Rays, if it's the A's, it's an asterisk no matter what. But you know what? You saw all the activity at the trade deadline. You can't tell these clubs there's an asterisk there. There's some people really trying to win right now. So looking at your preseason predictions to now, who is the one team that disappointed you the most? The Reds. The Reds. And it's not even close, as Mr. Brown would say. Hmm. I don't even know who my worst one was now, to be it, honest. It's probably the Reds. Yeah, probably the Reds. You're right. So it's just they were the Browns. No, but back to the asterisk. The only way it's going to be an asterisk is if the team that wins it doesn't follow it up with another one. Now, if this is their only one, then it, yes, it's an asterisk. But if it's the first of many, absolutely not. Who cares? But even if it's their only one, but they continue to be where they have, it's not. It's an asterisk, but not really. I mean, they've been to the World Series two years in a row. They've been to the playoffs, what, seven, eight years in a row. They've won their division. It's not like they stumbled into this season. No, they just retooled. That's all they did. They're, they're still what they are. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, season's not over. And even if you're five games out, you're not. You can't abandon ship yet. All it takes is a series because everybody's playing in their division or their counterpart in the opposite league. So, you know, it's different than most years because you might get a matchup where you're playing against the the team that's beating you or is ahead in the standings. So a, a four-game series could be a huge swing right now. You never know how it's going to end. Yeah, I love that uh, way of thinking. The Mariners are 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're only five games back of uh, David Ardsman's Blue Jays. Let's go. Hey, maybe they can keep playing the Angels. You'll be all right. <laughs> So we love our social media, and one of the things that we put out here lately is the greatest coach at bracket of all time. So we got a lot of hate because people are like, why don't you just do a football coach? Or why don't you do a basketball coach? Why did we not do just a single sport? It makes it greater when you have to try and factor in the impact of each coach within his sport. It would have been real easy to do an all-time college football, an all-time pro football. So if you don't like it and you can't handle it, then 
Vote anyway. So we we tried to pick the greatest 64 coaches of all time and pit them against each other. And we're in the first round, and it's almost over. So I just want to run through some of these matchups and see if you guys know where it's at, if you can tell me who's winning. So right now we have Coach K and Bud Grant of the Minnesota Vikings up against each other. Who's winning that one? Coach K and a landslide. How much of a landslide? Uh, 300 votes. <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> he's winning by 300 votes. Let's just say that. Yeah. So how about I like this matchup, Joe Gibbs and Pat Riley in the first matchup. round. I think that's the toughest of all the first round matchups from a true sports fan voting perspective. I voted for Joe Gibbs, but if you went Riley, I'm fine with that. It was definitely Riley's bracket for some reason. It, I thought it would be a lot closer. Pat Riley's got this one in the bag. Really? Not even close. That's kind of disappointing. Three Super Bowls. What was three that an 8-9 seed? Yeah, it was an 8-9 matchup. And, and you could tell, too. Yeah. I thought, looking at it. it. On paper, it looked closer than what it turned out to be. How about Tony La Russa versus George Hallis? Mr. Brown, you're the baseball man. you got to be all over La Russa for the win. No, after I was at the uh, Hall of Fame this summer, I'm going to go George Hallis because I saw his virtual speech, and, <laughs> and he pumped me up. The influence is great. there. It was great. CGI is wonderful. It was great. So George Hallis is the godfather of modern football for for. Many. And, you know, I was just worried if the younger fans would understand that as much, but they definitely showed their support for uh, George Hallis. Before we get into it, it's going to, it does make me excited because they're bitter rivals that LaRusse is getting knocked out. And my man Bobby Cox is going to march on, which he's going to address. Her we'll, we'll get there in a second. So we, we have some hockey matchups in here, and hockey has not favored very well so far. We got Al Arbor versus Connie Mack. And for people who don't know who Connie Mack is, he is pretty much the godfather of professional baseball. And he, it's not even a lot of votes on that one compared to the other ones. I think it's because most people are like, who are these clowns? Right, right, right. But Connie's winning it hands down, right? Yeah, Connie Max got okay. this one. Yeah, that, that one's pretty much a done deal. I love this matchup, and we we got to talk about what happened here. Big Tuna, Bill Parcells, up against Tom Osborne. So these are two legendary coaches, just one in the professional ranks, one in the collegiate ranks. You know so, what's crazy about these two men with one of them having a historic run at the University of Nebraska? They actually both are from Nebraska. I didn't know that. Tom Osborne was born in Hastings. Bill Parcells attended college at Hastings. See, Biggie dropping knowledge on everybody here. So it was close until Nebraska fans took over the poll. They they rallied the Alumni Association, and now it's not even close. See, that's the thing. If you don't like the way it's going, impose your will and change it. That's all you got to do. Man, like, Bill Parcells is going to have 400 to 500 votes and not even going to be close. That's sad. But I'm okay with the outcome. Now, I will mention that if your coach is going up against Tom Osborne in the next round, be be wary. Be ready to vote. Nebraska's coming for your ass. Like He's early favorite, hands down. How about Tom Izzo and Nick Saban? This is a fairly close battle for all the – Votes out there. Tom Izzo has done great things at Michigan State. To me, it's clearly Nick Saban. What's the vote say? I mean, it, it, before you say that, it, it's Nick Saban clearly, but I, I felt like this was a tough draw for Izzo in the first round. Was this an 8-9? It could have been an 8-9. No, Saban was like a, a four seed. Like oh, he, He's okay. up there. So Izzo, Izzo just got a bad matchup where he landed, and he happened to catch Saban. And just imagine, these guys used to be at the same damn school. And now they're not, but Saban's moving on. I'm just letting you know. Not even close. He should move on. Right. 
All right, this one didn't get a lot of votes because most people had to Google who uh, Morgan Wooten was, but apparently he's the most successful high school coach there ever has been. I still don't know who that is. And you he, just told me. He's, he's going up against John McGraw. And if you don't know who John McGraw is, he was one of the great Yankees managers back in the heyday when they were winning all those titles. So McGraw's moving on. Not not close. And really, it's just somebody saw somebody with the Yankees cap, so they're voting for him. I only know who Wooten is because he funneled players to Wooten. Now, let's get into an upset here. Scotty Bowman, Andy Reid. Do you know who Scotty Bowman is? Scotty Bowman, a two-seed? Scotty Bowman was a two-seed. Maybe the greatest hockey coach that's ever lived. I know a lot of people say it's Herb Scotty Bowman is better in his sport than Bill Belichick is in his sport. It's close, but Andy Reid's beating him by 40, 40 votes. I heard what Biggie just said, too. That just like made me shocked. Scotty Bowman dominated for five decades, won titles in three of them, nine titles. So it's not over yet. So get out there and vote in hockey groups because that's that's not right. Andy Reid, I got it. How long was the uh, drought for Kansas City? How long? 50, 50 years? 50 years? But that's one title, man. I How many times could he not he get over the hump in Philadelphia? Yeah, he lost three straight NFC Championship games, right? Like I like I love Andy Reid, but like uh, I don't I don't like how our fans have turned out for this one. I mean, if this is a competitive eating bracket, absolutely, <laughs> but it's not. I'll take the hamburgers <laughs> for the Scotty win. Scotty Bowman is being far undersold, and if he loses this matchup, I will shave my butt. I thought, oh, I, oh my god, there's a giant gargantuan cricket that flew in here. What is that? Flying grasshopper. <laughs> flying grasshopper. Speaking of flying grasshoppers, maybe people called John Heisman that back in the day, but I can't confirm it. He went up against Bear Bryant in the first round. Do you guys even want to know how this one turned we out? Know, we know. It's it's not even close. How about Bud Wilkinson, who ran the Oklahoma Dynasties back in the day against Sparky Anderson? Bud Wilkinson, 40 straight, 47 straight Ws, and the Big Red Machine. Uh, I think people are going to be more – Reminiscent, realistic, big red machine, Sparky Anderson. Yeah, he's not really Sparky. He's not getting forty-eight wins in a row. That's for sure. <laughs> he's going down to Sparky, and that one's a landslide. I found this one quite interesting because sometimes when people look at these classic Yankees managers, is it the players or is it the manager? So Joe McCarthy went up against John Madden. How do you think that one played out? John Madden is the better coach. Joe McCarthy had the better players. I'm thinking Madden's winning. I'm just guessing. I haven't looked at that one. He, he's almost tripled him. Oh, wow. It's not even close. Pop! Boom! <laughs> I'm acting tonight! Hit <laughs> stick. <laughs> right, here's a, again, Yankees managers just yep. popping up like yep, crazy. Yep, yep. Joe Torrey up against Dean Smith. Your boy Dean Smith's winning that one. And it should be in an absolute just landslide. <laughs> All right, so, again, hockey thrown to the wolves. Herb Brooks against Bobby Knight. I had the question, and it was shared on the page by uh, one of you guys. What has Herb Brooks done outside of the Miracle on Ice? And a lot of people said that was enough for them to vote for him. Yeah, that's what I'd say, too, because he didn't do crap. To me, it's Bobby Knight, but do you believe in miracles is one of the greatest things we'll all ever. Yeah, he's not moving on. Michaels does. Bobby Knight and now Michaels would move on, but unfortunately not Herb Brooks. How about Paul Brown versus Urban Meyer? So you got the uh, legacy coach who kind of invented the modern-day playbook 
and Urban Meyer, who invented the modern day, I'm too sick to keep coaching my job, so I'm going to the next one. Well, the way you described him is clearly Paul Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not close. Paul Brown has uh, pretty much tripled him up, so it's 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 a landslide at this point. Greg Popovich versus Dick Irvin. Does anybody know who Dick Irvin is? I do, but only because I'm a sports nut, legendary figure within the hockey world. But seeing as how Scotty Bowman struck, what's the trend? Pop. <laughs> the trend is hockey will not advance. Yep. Right. So Greg wait, Popovich wait. is moving on. I, I give you credit. You tried. Hey. You can't say I didn't try to let hockey get represented. Dick here. Urban, Al Arbor, Scotty Bowman, and there was another weird dude in there. Mr. Brown asked me a question once and said, is there anybody in the bracket that hasn't won a title? Well, we put Marv Levy in there because going to four Super Bowls is at least an accomplishment. Now, he didn't win any of them. Is he the only one? He's the only one I'm aware of. Right. Is there two? Who's the other one? We put Bud Grant in there. Oh, that's right, Bud Grant. But you go to four Super Bowls in six or seven seasons, you you deserve the right. And, right, and he was a 16 seed. Right. So, and Marvin Levy, obviously a low seed because he's up against Phil Jackson. So I'll let you imagine how that one turned out. It's a slaughter, but just like it should be. Mm. It is a slaughter. I'm just gonna let you know, Marvin Levy only got 54 votes. Damn, <laughs> it's so bad. I would tell Alexa to play the Chicago Bulls entry theme, but you know, I don't want to hear that right <laughs> nah, now. No, it probably won't sound good in the background. How about uh, John McKay, USC and Tampa Bay fame, versus The Hood? BB for the win. Yeah, it's not even close. Again, tripled up. So we're getting a lot of mismatches here in the first round. Which is what you expect when you got 116, 215, 314. Like, I'll be honest, I put this guy in the bracket. I didn't know who he is. Amos Alonzo Stagg versus Chuck Knoll. I knew who Chuck Knoll was. Amos Alonzo Stagg would not football exist, as Root Newt Rotney said, without him. This is my favorite matchup. I, I, I'm just moving on after that because he's not he's not moving on, so I'm moving on. Bobby Cox, who only won one World Series title against Pat Summit. So, a guy who was a perennial there but didn't get the slipper at the end of the night, Cinderella. He's like the better version of Marv Levy, right? Yeah. Yeah, the slightly better version. Don't tell me he's doing better than someone who dominated an entire bracket of basketball for 25 years. He is, but it's super close. Really? There are only 15 votes separating these two right now. All right. So, in professional sports... 14 straight division titles means something with a different crew every year. Like, that that don't just happen. It's never going to happen again. I can tell you that. Unless the Dodgers challenge it, which they're in the middle of it right now, which is not going to happen, though. With the Padres coming up, I don't think the Dodgers keep winning them. And our our top fan, Pete Sinove, finally made a good uh, comment with this. Only because it aligns with your narrative. No, my point is, is that he, well, he said you weren't a good coach, which I disagree with. But at that time, if you're a top athlete for women's college basketball coming out of high school, there's two schools you're going to go to. Just two. Right? UConn or Tennessee. So if you get every player you want for the next 15 years, how many championships are you going to win? Yeah, but she built that, though. Like, if not for her. They don't they, pick Tennessee, Tennessee randomly. They build it after she – they pick it after she's – Built it with, you know, eight national championships. What caused – I mean, but they had to start coming there, right? So she did it all herself? 
Well, and this is the challenge when you're comparing collegiate coaches to professional coaches, right? Are you a recruiter or are you a coach? Yep. Well, anyway, Bobby Cox has got the slight edge for the time being. We'll see what happens by the time the first round's done. I'm sure if we'd had an unlimited pocketbook, we might have won two. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what the problem is, is when Braves fans share it out, there's a lot of Tennessee fans that are Braves fans. We didn't know how that was going to go. It slightly went towards Bobby, but like it was shared in college football groups. It was shared in college sports groups, period, and Braves groups. And we didn't, because like you said, they're both fans of each team. If this was election night in America, it's too close to call. <laughs> That's how we're going to leave My it. My right man, now. Bobby. All right. Bill Walsh, Lenny Wilkins. Bill Walsh. Not even close, right? What do you have something to add to that? No, I was going to say, it should be. Bill Walsh, and he should be winning by a lot of Voits. Voits? Voits? John Voits. He's winning by some Bud Kilmer John Voits. If you love the NBA, you'll appreciate Lenny Wilkins. <laughs> do I need to mention another hockey coach with Toe Blake versus Woody Hayes, or do we know how that one ends? Woody Hayes punches so, him in so the face. Do we know? Because Educate me. Who did Toe Blake manage or coach? The Montreal Canadiens. For like, at what era? I don't know. The 60s? No idea. He coached him when hockey, when hockey was, was a man's when, when they played on water because yeah. it wouldn't freeze. Cool. I don't cool. know. <laughs> hockey beards. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Newt Rockney, Pete Carroll. Biggie, I'm sure you got something to add on this one. Dude, it's Pete Carroll on a landslide. Championships at the college and the professional level. He even it's gave Newt. my Patriots a championship. Not even close. It's Newt. Newt Rockney is a legend. A legend, almost a mythical figure in the world of coaching. Newt Rotney is like that thing you buy. It's Rawlings equipment just because it's a brand name. <laughs> well, that no, Pete Carroll's a brand. He he's just a guy that money flows to and he buys these players in college well, that and wins gum titles. Chomping, won championships for three different teams. Come on now. Well, wow, didn't he have to vacate some of those? Dude, it, it matters what you do on the field. <laughs> I, mean, I care less if your guy drives a nice car. I, Pete Carroll's like the anti, you know. Well, I, I, I lost train of thought here because we just. He's did. the anti New Rockney. No, I mean he's like the anti feed the beast. So he's like the anti Skittle, you know. I mean, just because because he didn't just run the ball. Of that he should he's, not. He's win. not he's, he should. He barely made the bracket. Yeah, he was a late addition. Yeah, and that and the tarnish on USC. And let's not forget his un, underperforming years at New England. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing though. He made a commitment that he was going to win New England a title, and damn it, he did with that call. <laughs> So then, congratulations. <laughs> it took a while, damn it. We finally did it. 27 and 21 in three seasons with the Super Bowl title in 2014. We'll take it. Oh. The hoodie paid him off. It must have been what happened. All right, how about Roy Williams and Bobby Bowden? Was that our first matchup? It was. That was a good one. To me, that's got to be pretty close. It's Bowden, I bet. I, 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 I voted for Bowden. Close. Roy Williams and Bobby Bowden, this is the ultimate matchup of you get the best athletes every year. What do you do? Kansas, North Carolina, Florida State. You had the top recruiting classes or the top five recruiting classes every year for the majority of a career. Although Bobby started in uh, West Virginia, so I got a little bit of a soft spot for him. Oh, Bobby Bowden's moving on. It looks like he's got a, a stable lead over Roy Williams. And my favorite thing about Bobby Bowden ever is when they're playing Virginia Tech for the national title, going against Mike Vick, Sebastian Janikowski gets a DUI, and they ask him, is your kicker going to play? And he says, is it going to play? We got a championship to win. Of course he's going to play. 
What happened to that? I miss times like that. Kick his ass, sea bass. <laughs> Free shoe you. Uh, uh, so if you haven't followed us on social media, you can find it on Instagram. You can find it on Facebook. The bracket is out there. It is hot. The first round, I, I'd venture to say it's got more activity than the uh, movie bracket yeah. did. Uh, so it's it's off to a great start. The second round is going to be even worse because the matchups are just going to get it's even got better. More matchup or more traction than the mascot poll. The mascot poll. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. So I mean, we do a lot of brackets, and the brackets are fun. And the people wanted a bracket. Damn it, we gave them another bracket. And the second round is going to be fire because these matchups are going to be insane because we have legends against legends. There's no more Cinderella. It is only the elite of the elite. No land. more hockey coaches. No more. <laughs> all the hockey coaches are gone. We're sorry, hockey. Hockey fans, we tried to get Scotty Bowman. I gave him a two seed, and he blew it. So hockey does not matter to the We Don't Know Sports Nation. I'm sorry. I think that's all the time we got. We had a lot of fun on the show tonight. We talked with a great guest. We'll be back same time next week. We appreciate you all following us. Make sure you subscribe to listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Find us on social media. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. <laughs>